are listening to the FCS Leadership Podcast. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the FCF Leadership Podcast. My name is Whitney Baldwin, and we are on a journey of learning about the Enneagram personality system. For those of you unfamiliar with the Enneagram, stop watching or listening right now. Go back to the first and second episode, and you'll learn so much. Our goal with this podcast is to lead you through a personality trait. We have chosen one characteristic for each Enneagram. We're going to look at that characteristic through a psychological lens, a biblical lens, and then a leadership lens. You may be thinking it's small-minded to think there are only nine different personality types in the world. However, with each number, there are expressions and triads and wings, which leads us into so many more options, but we're not getting into that today. But right now... I am joined by the very wonderful Ryan Weaver. Hey. And Ryan does a multitude of things, but she's our office manager. All the design you see that comes out, it's from this gal right here. She's very talented. Sweet. So Ryan is not a four. She is actually a three, but I am a four. So today we're going to be switching it up a little bit. And Ryan will be interviewing me about what it's like to be a four. Whitney Baldwin, aside from being an amazing employee and giver and so much, she's such a joy to have in the office. She's a wife to Zach and a mother to Hugo, Theo, and Walter. She is by trade and education an esthetician, which also means she is obsessed with skincare. It's true. Which we all love in the office. By calling and choice, she works for Faith Christian Fellowship and has a passion for helping churches find their why and expand their reach and create community between other ministry leaders. Today, we are focusing on the Enneagram 4, the romantic. At the best, healthy fours have a huge emotional range. They are deeply creative, emotionally honest, and attuned to the beauty in the world. One of the downfalls of four is envy. They consistently desire others who have a better house, a cooler job, a happier family. And this envy paired with a feeling of never being complete can make a, make fours go on a never-ending quest, trying to find the missing piece of themselves. So Whitney, how does that all make you feel? Uh, my <laughs> palms are sweaty, first of all. Let's just talk so about mine. that. That's fine. <laughs> Uh, it's also true. So I have to preface this episode by saying I wrote that part mm-hmm. of it. And as I was writing it, I was like, oh, my gosh, it's so accurate. Hmm. I couldn't believe how accurate. The more in-depth I went learning about fours, I was like, yeah, okay. And I took the Enneagram test three times, and each time I got a four. Mm-hmm. And I kept taking it because I didn't want to be a four because <laughs> I felt like they were – You know, just like that says, they're deeply emotional and they see and, you know, it's like, to me, reading that is overwhelming. And obviously because of all the emotions I have. (laughs) Uh, But it's just overwhelming. And then when we got into envy, it was like, boy, that is something I struggle Mm -hmm. with. Not like I want someone else's life, but because I struggle so much, I hate to use the word struggle. Kind but, of a tough word to use, but yeah, I know what you mean. But because I have so many different emotions and thoughts, and my doctors, even from a young age, just told me I'm way more in tune with my body than everybody else. Yeah, you're aware of them. Yeah. Which helps. Yeah. So because of all of that, I have a difficult time when I see others doing things that I want to do and I'm not able to do. Yeah. Um, either by choice or 
because I'm just incapable of doing it. I understand that. As a parent, I feel like that would also be difficult to manage yeah. if you are consistently aware of it. I know as a parent with young little, so much of your life is absorbed in that. And so that probably triggers a lot of that stuff. <laughs> it does. My Hugo, I'm pretty sure he's a four. Mm-hmm. And I haven't had him take the test, but I'm pretty sure he's a four. And I feel like it's helping me understand his point of view, his perspective, because mm-hmm. I can see myself and him so I can understand how he's feeling it's okay to have these feelings but let's not let them rule us Mm -hmm. let's get control of it anchor it yeah Yeah. exactly I think one thing it's also interesting is from like a office perspective you are such a value to the team because a lot of times you sense and feel things that maybe other people in the room don't. So a lot of times, really? I totally think that. <laughs> so sometimes like we're in, when we're in strategic planning, sometimes you, I get task oriented mm. because I'm a three. I want to get things done. A lot of times she has an overarching emotional application of what's going on, which is great because I think it, it kind of balances. It, balances. it works. Yeah. It works hand in hand. Yeah. Working in an organization has a lot of flex. How do you feel like? your four can be either frustrating or pluses or where do you feel like that falls within that Yeah, uh, from so an office perspective? A lot of what I do has to do with, we'll call it like customer care. Yeah. So I, I deal with people through email and phone a lot. And one of the difficult things is I read between the lines way too much. <laughs> so like if someone has a slight tone on the phone, I'm like, oh my gosh, they were so mad at me. <laughs> And that was not the deal at all. (laughs) It was just me being overly sensitive. So that's something that I've really had to uh, learn and grow with as I've been in this position longer. Um, You know, email, email is difficult because you can't read tone in anything. So I was raised by an eight. My mom was an eight. Mm -hmm. And so she was very direct. She was very kind, but direct. Mm -hmm. So I take, I read almost every email as if it were coming from her. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, I, it's just a direct email. It's totally fine. It's just the way they communicate. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) It can be draining feeling all of the emotions. So there are times where I have found for me, like, I almost have to stay in this constant state of prayer. Um, especially when I was doing aesthetics and I was, uh, for those of you that don't know, estheticians, they do facials and waxings and I did eyelash extensions too. So you're touching a lot of people and when you're touching a lot of people, you're absorbing a lot of what they may be dealing with. So I had to stay in this constant state of prayer just to keep myself grounded so I wouldn't flail out. Yeah. And it's the same even here with what we do here. Mm -hmm. I think also because you are so uh, sensitive and aware of that, it makes it easy to talk to you when things are going wrong or when things are working through things because you acknowledge you acknowledge the situation. It's not a blow off. Yeah. Which from like a leader's perspective, a lot of times it's difficult to be transparent when there's things going on because right. you're trying to do the task and keep the team and drive the train and all the things. But having a four on a team is such an asset because it's never viewed at, as at least from what I can sense, it's never viewed at as a negative, but really it helps create more of a vulnerable relationship between the people because then it's like, you, you have to take off your mask. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. I think so too. I didn't like it for a while. 
Um, especially I've worked in environments where being the over emotional one mm-hmm. was, and we say emotional. Yes, I cry often. Okay. It's what I do, but I don't cry every day no. in front of people. No. <laughs> Maybe in the car. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I don't cry. I don't cry every day. Sorry, that laugh was but hard. <laughs> I, uh, I have worked in environments where being the emotional one or the sensitive one or the in tune one mm. has definitely been seen as a negative thing and you get mm. trampled often. Yeah. Um, so this is like, obviously, I really think it's the healthiest environment that I've worked in because mm. it is a safe env- environment for me to have those vulnerable moments. Absolutely. Or for others to have the vulnerable moments. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, envy. Yeah. That's a hard one. I mean, you and I have talked about this. So a lot of what she does, like the design and she's, she has her own business as far as graphic design and things like that. Um, she built our website, she does videos, she does like it all. And I am very much a beginner. But if you're seeing this, it's because I edited it and put it together and did it myself. Okay, give me She's the bomb. Yeah. She is the bomb. But I've had to learn on the fly, and I am a graduate of YouTube University. Aren't we all? (laughs) (laughs) But I have a hard time doing things when Ryan is here. I'm like, she's going to do it 20 times better. I wish I could be like Ryan or like Haley. She's behind the camera. Hey, Haley. Hey, girl. Uh, Her artistry is just ridiculous. I am surrounded by phenoms as far as what they do. Laura, good God, don't even get me started on her administrative levels. I mean, just ridiculous. But I'm just surrounded by all these people. And I keep finding myself going, I wish, Mm -hmm. I wish, I wish. And I don't like it. I'm comfortable with who I am, but there are times, especially when we're task oriented, <laughs> where it's like it takes me an entire day to make a video, mm-hmm. and I wish I could just hand it off to you and say, <laughs> "Can't do it." And it's funny because I go back and forth because there's lines of like, I I want her to feel empowered and learn the skill so that way she can take it and run with it because she is so able and she's a quick learner and so fast <laughs> to like dig deep and try her hardest and try things out. And I love that. Like there's so many people who don't do that. Mm-hmm. And so it is a joy to watch you grow in that. I think it's Thanks. super cool. Uh, I do sense, I know that, like we've mm-hmm. talked about this where you're like, I just want to give it to you, but I have my own tasks, you know, <laughs> and I have to, I have to learn how to delegate that's something praise the lord so but in that it's so great because we learn from each other in that and i think that is one way to combat that whole envy aspect of it is to as a leader acknowledge hey they're working through growth they're working through comparison Mm -hmm. you know and that's okay give them space and bandwidth to work through that don't shoot it down or take it and try to fix it i don't think that helps the situation no um, but instead, provide the tools to empower a floor, to do the job well, to get them training that they need to grow or whatever. But I think, I don't know, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, while you were talking, I was also thinking about how the, the different aspects that a floor is useful. Like yeah. for me, I love customer care. You are I, amazing at it. Thanks. It's, I love 
making people feel important because mm-hmm. I really truly believe they are. Mm-hmm. And so just by having that listening ear, listening to what's going on, because everybody is going through something. You're not the only one. If you're a four, you're not the only one going through something, just in <laughs> case you didn't know. Everybody is. Um, but I just love making sure that people know there's someone that can listen. Yes. Um, when you're in a church environment, I love to be on the host team. I, I feel like that's a place where fours... Now, I am a four wing three, so I have to preface with that. I'm a wing three. So I can go on to the performer, which is why um, hosting is probably one of my strong suits, where other fours are probably going to be more on the creative side. Um, emotional people typically tend to be more creative. I don't believe I'm more creative but <laughs> we just see I totally think different. you are. We just see things <laughs> differently. And we're, we're kind of out of the box thinkers most yes. of the time and kind of off the wall and like sometimes live in la la land. And you have to give them a place to be that and to do that um, and not try to keep them inside the box, just kind of let them run and scribble yes. everywhere. Yes, and but I think someone like that is also so valuable on your leadership team, strategic yeah. planning teams, because you do. You think out of the box. There's ideas where you'll just – I love that you'll say, okay, I have an idea or, you know, whatever, and just kind of throw it out there. That kind of flow kind of can also spur other conversations. It can. And it's amazing. Most of the time, the things that, like, I'll throw out first are total flops. But it can start the conversation and we all start going. It it just takes somebody stepping out of the box. So, but yeah, envy is still one going back to envy because that's what we're focusing on today. It's still something that I, uh, I can see could be a struggle for many people, especially in, well, the world period, but in church and ministry, I wish my ministry were bigger. Mm -hmm. I wish I could sing better. I wish Mm -hmm. I could preach better, you know, all of these things. Um, But we all have to remember that God has created us to be us. Yes. And in him, we can be complete and be fulfilled in him. You know, it's not when we rely on our own strength and self, Mm -hmm. that's when we start to say, I wish. Absolutely. But when we're working in him and through him, then yes. it's like more complete. Yes. I also think just acknowledging and consistently keeping in the front of your mind what God has called you to do, yeah. what you are equipped with, oh, yeah. helps battle that envy. Because it says, okay, while I might not have this, this is what God has given That's me. Right. This is what God has equipped me with. And I can do this. And, and doing what God has gifted you in, I think fills that void that the devil kind of sometimes likes to poke his stick at. Such a great point. I remind myself of that all the time. When I'm in a moment of like, ugh, Mm. like, okay, what has God called me to do? Yes, that's good. Am I doing that? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes, so good. So good. Well, now that you've heard all the inner ramblings of my head, (laughs) let's find out what Dr. Bowman and Patrick Norris have to say about envy. All right, this one's number four on envy. Todd, your turn. Talk about mind-body. Yeah, envy, uh, kind of interestingly enough, comes online early in the developmental experience. This idea that we long to have and believe that we should possess something that other people have. Uh, starts, you, you see it around about two years old developmentally where, again, there's a sense of differentiation happening, identifying self apart from the world. 
Uh, and sometimes we can get stuck in these spaces, uh, a struggle with continuously desiring to think that we should have something that isn't actually ours. Uh, a lot of emotional energy behind envy uh, really boils down to the idea of self-worth. Uh, where does that originate? Well, a lot of that originates, that sense of envy originates in spaces where there's not really healthy attachment, where there's not a sense of attunement where the primary caregiver is the one who's providing nurturance and soothing and comfort. And a child is left having to reach to other things to soothe. Uh, we can call this surrogacy if you want to. Uh, but envy is this idea that I have to reach outside the relationships that I have. Another person and even God can't be the one that satisfies my need. So I'm always looking for that thing externally that I think might satisfy me, might calm me, might comfort me, might soothe me. So in essence, envy is about this sense of incompleteness, and we try and fill our, our sense of incompleteness with something else. It could be an experience, it could be a thing, uh, but really it's driven by the lack of wholeness that we experience in ourselves. Well, wasn't that special? <laughs> Thoughts? I do not watch these videos before... I'm watching them with the person I'm interviewing so that we can both kind of have like a raw reaction to it. And um, it's going to, I'm probably just going to have to tell you, it's going to be difficult to talk about this and not cry. So if I cry, it's you're okay. welcome. Um, it's all right. Dude. Tubby. Yeah. You start seeing it around the age of two. Mm. We both have two-year-olds. Mm -hmm. I can see that. Yeah. Self-worth, that is a very interesting topic to go hand-in-hand hand with envy. Yeah. Uh, that is something that I have struggled with the majority of my life. Mm -hmm. I, can, um, I can look back on my younger years and see how the decisions I made were directly correlated to how I viewed myself, mm -hmm. the bad choices I made, um, were a result of me not believing I was worthy mm. of better than. Mm -hmm. And it's really sad when you think about it. Yeah. And, and you may be thinking, oh my gosh, for those of you that don't know, <laughs> I was raised by pastors. My grandparents were pastors. My great-grandparents were pastors. So it's not like I wasn't exposed to the word of God, but... I didn't allow it to take root in my life until I was already a mom. Mm -hmm. I was raised in it. I knew that it's what we did, but I didn't take ownership of it until I was a grown adult. Hmm. And that's interesting to me. I'm sure a lot of people are in the same boat as me. Yeah, and absolutely. And I, I strongly believe that I didn't really have an idea of self-worth until I rooted myself in God. It's so good. I think first, let me just applaud you for your transparency. Oh, I thanks. think that's awesome. <laughs> Welcome to a bar. We don't hide things. It's <laughs> good. We can't. We're incapable. No, I think it's good. I think also because your personality trait is something that's developed so young, who God's created you to be. Mm. I think some of that probably even plays into all of that, sure. you know? So those those traits and those gifts that the Lord has given us from such a young age, 
you're a four then, you're four now, you know, kind mm-hmm. of a scenario. And so you're filtering through that without a lot of the understanding or knowledge that you have now as an adult of how to navigate that. And so I can see how that would be a difficult, uh, especially growing up in ministry families. I also grew up in ministry family um, creates interesting dynamics as a child growing up. There's things that you're working through and kind of solidifying in your own heart. What are truths for you? Not just because what truths for what mom and dad have said or grandma and grandpa and everything else. So I think that there are some interesting things that you have to navigate as a ministry kiddo, but man, I totally see. I totally see how that could be. And I always wondered how I had other friends that were pastor's kids as well. And I always viewed it as a standard. Like, how do they have such high standards? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't having a high standard. It was having high self-worth. Yeah. And I didn't even know what self-worth was. Mm -hmm. I didn't... I have blocked out a lot of my childhood. I'm not going to lie to you. (laughs) I think that's how a lot of overly emotional people operate is just shut it down. But uh, She said we're going to stay here and now. We're going to stay right here. here. (laughs) Now the self man, and and that's one thing because I I know that I struggled with it. Mm -hmm. That's one thing that I I really drill in my kid's head Mm -hmm. is – we are all going to make mistakes, and that does not change who you are, the value Absolutely. of who you are. Absolutely. And, and same with everybody around us. Yeah. My kid, I, my oldest child, Hugo, is in fifth grade, mm-hmm. and so they're at that stage where they're starting to make poor decisions, some of them. You know, it's like talking out yeah. in class and being silly, and it's like, do you really want to do this? But yeah. allowing them to have grace for one each other, for one each other. That's okay. <laughs> allowing them to have grace for each other yes. and grow and learn and still have uh, a sense of self, self-worth. self I mean, I also think as a parent, as because you are instilling that in them, it combats that envy head on. Because you're saying, as I help them grow in their self-worth, mm-hmm. it will minimize that envy. Mm-hmm. Arm, you yeah. know? If one is causing yeah. it, you are actually doing a you know tug of, tug war, of war essentially yes. and so that's awesome that you're taking time to Did be intentional about, think that. about that look yeah. at how great i am <laughs> um i want to talk about <laughs> ministry with this yes part, that's though. great when you see someone struggling with envy or mm-hmm. their self-worth mm-hmm. how do you correct them what do you do i think re- just like what we were saying before i think reminding them of their strengths Mm-hmm. allowing them bandwidth for growth, mm-hmm. encouraging their strengths, finding tasks that help them fill that void. You know, don't, mm-hmm. I would say as a leader, don't load them with tasks that yeah. zap their tank yeah. because then you're yes. going to end up with a zapped employee or a zapped staff member or a zapped pastor, you know. And I think being led by the Holy Ghost, I think a lot of times it really does boil down to, all right, Lord, you have set me to be the leader in this organization, this ministry, this as the pastor, as the whatever. How can I lead my staff well? How can I invest in them to help them fulfill all that God's put in them, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I think in doing that as a leader, you kind of combat that head on, just like what you do as yeah. a parent. Yep. That's good, Ryan. You're so smart. <laughs> okay, let's listen. <laughs> 
go ahead and listen to what Patrick has to say. Yeah. In scripture, we see two words, covetousness and envy. And of course, covetousness seems to be specific to the idea of wanting somebody's stuff, wanting something that somebody possesses. And often envy, it can also deal with stuff, but often it's talking about the idea of wanting to own somebody's choices. And even God himself doesn't try to own our choices. He's not uh, going to control our will. And in families where there's a lot of pain and dysfunction, you'll see that overreach beyond the boundary where now I don't know where I end and I'm going to take what you have and I'm going to try with the best of my ability to grasp it, to take it, to own it. And in the envy, I can both try to get your stuff or I can try to get your choices. I'm going to influence you, sell you. I'm going to manipulate with any kind of motivation I can to get your choice in my, you know, benefit. So when we talk about those kind of things, uh, the Bible does say that if you do it, that that's where confusion is. That's where the devil does his work and every evil work is there. I think the root of all of what he was just saying, though, goes back to the not leaning into what you know God has called you to do. Mm -hmm. It's you're not acknowledging what you do know and kind of using that as a jump off place. You're kind of just not you. I'm not saying you. I'm just saying Mm -hmm. someone in that that deep end of that place. It's like if you don't acknowledge where you're called, what you're called to do, what your giftings are, that self-awareness or... um, what was the words that he used? Um, confidence, or what was the word? Uh, I don't know now. You've said so many words. Dang it. I forgot. Overreaching is what I kept hearing. He also yes. called me evil. <laughs> no, what he's saying, though, is if you are not aware of your own self right. and are not confident in what God has called you to do, you'll... essentially you're grasping at straws. Yes. I'm going to take anything Everything. and I'm going to cause confusion and I'm going to cause destruction and I'm going to take what you got mm-hmm. and I'm just going to run with it. And I mean, I've totally experienced people like that. Absolutely. Because there is, there's no... And just exactly that phrase that he said, there's no end to them. They don't know where the, their end is, and so they absorb everything else. Yes. And man, that is a tough place to be. Yeah. I'm just thinking, I we had to pause, and I was like, I have to listen to this again because I don't know if I identify with it. Yeah. I mean, I, I can totally... Uh, I've seen people like that, like you said. It makes sense. You don't know what's going on. You don't have your own self-confidence to be you. So you're grabbing at this person to be them and this person to be them Mm -hmm. and this person to be them. And I've seen that. Yeah, and it does. It causes such confusion. It does. Because there's no clarity of vision. Right. There's no clarity of mission. I feel like I have experienced that in pastors I've worked for, leaders that I've been serving underneath, where... If they are not completely uh, aware yeah. or, you know, whatever, of their calling, of their mission, of their vision, I think that's why knowing your why is so important. Yeah. You do. You end up absorbing everything else. Yeah. And I think that is a ministerial application of what he was talking about. Boy, yeah. If you don't know your why, that is that. And the same thing for yourself. If you don't know your why, 
you grasp and you pull in. Yeah, I'm thinking back to um, in church mm-hmm. when we would be uh, hosting and things, mm-hmm. or a different people. I'm not thinking of one person specifically, just yeah. FYI, but I have seen this where you don't know the type of person you're going to be approaching. Yeah. You know who they are, but you never know what version of them it's going to be. Oof. And and I think that might be what he's describing. Yeah, agree. Is you've got all of these different types of the same type of person because they truly don't know themselves. Yeah, they don't know their why. They don't know they don't know God's love for them. Yes. And that was like my aha moment, I have to mm-hmm. say, of me coming to was like realizing God's love for me. And yes. it's not even something that we can truly fathom, Mm-mm. but we can start to understand it. You know, the Bible says we're not going to know until we're in heaven for a long time. <laughs> it's going to take us a long time to fully understand all of it. The love of God, yeah. But man alive. We've all known someone like that, and that's heartbreaking. Yeah. But how do we help them? That's the big question. And I think just having honest conversations with them and helping them, ignoring it is not going to help. Mm -mm. But being kind and addressing it and rooting them back to God. God loves you. Yes. Who are you? Whoever you are, God loves you. (laughs) Yes. I think also redirecting the emotional response to whatever it is. Oh, that's great. To what it actually, what is the actual emotional, you know, response in, in regards to, Yeah, it's not most of the time. It's not this one thing. There's something else that's happening or there's an opinion here. here. Right. So it's like, how do we help them? I think we identify where the root of that emotional response is Mm -hmm. root them in the word of the Lord. You know, it Mm -hmm. says that the word is an anchor for our soul, which is our mind, will, and emotion. Mm -hmm. Well, what does the word say about us? What does the word say about our, our situation or who we are in Christ? What, you know, all those things. And I feel like that does not, um, discount their emotions. It doesn't discount their feelings or the things that they are expressing, but instead pushes them towards their why. Yeah helps establish a healthier team and communication style so that nobody feels shut down. Right. Everyone feels, you know, freedom to be themselves and uh, use the giftings that God's given them. One of the things that I, that was just brought up to me yeah. in my own mind, I believe it was Jeebus. Jeebus. <laughs> but uh, is whenever I'm like, correcting myself or Mm -hmm. if I'm having one of those moments or my son is having Mm -hmm. one of those moments before I even get into what the Bible says I go back to the very beginning and I'm like do you believe in the Bible Mm -hmm. yes do you believe the Bible is God's word yes Mm -hmm. do you believe what the Bible says about you is God saying that to you yes Yes. okay then here's what the bible says you know like if you bring it back to a a tactile thing that's something we learned from patrick also is bringing it to a tactile response Mm -hmm. in your brain you have to stop the emotional response Mm -hmm. bring it to something that you can feel think Mm -hmm. you know and so it's like okay stop do i believe in the bible yes i do do i believe that it's god's word yes i do yeah and it takes you out of your like I said, emotional mm-hmm. response and brings you back so that you can listen 
with the right mindset because you can't reason with someone if they're having an emotional episode. Mm -mm. You have to calm them down first. And you can't say, calm down. Does that ever work? No. You need to calm down. Oh, I'll show you what I've got to calm down. Okay? Am I right, though? You're so right. 100%. 100%. It's so good. I think also with that, that is how you combat the envy. It's not just, you're not combating emotions. God gave us emotions That's for right. a reason. That's right. Emotions are God-given. So we're not combating emotion. If the root of all of it is envy, that they wish they could perform like another staff member, right. or if they wish they could have what this person had, well, how do we root them back in the word and combat that? Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think that is how we do that. Mm-hmm. That's good. So to sum up, fours are fantastic. They are. They're like riding a bull. You have to understand. <laughs> Hold on tight, They're, they're going to take you on a ride. No. <laughs> Oh, Jesus, help us. (laughs) If you are a four and you're struggling with envy, the greatest advice I can give you is to really get in God's word, Mm -hmm. learn about what he says about you. But not only that, for me, it's staying in a constant state of prayer. I'm constantly dialoguing with God all day long. And I don't mean that in a spiritual way. I'm not like yelling in tongues or anything. I'm, I'm just in a constant state of... What do I need to do right now? And that helps alleviate a lot of pressure off of me personally. If you are leading a four, don't tell them to calm down. Embrace their individuality. They're going to be the ones that kind of stand out or maybe off the wall a little bit. If you think someone might be a four, have them take an Enneagram test and have find your whole out. staff take an Enneagram test. I mean, test. I've told you all to do this from yes. the beginning, but I'll go Absolutely. ahead and link it in the description of where you can go to yes. take the test. But it's so important you understand where everyone is coming from. The better you understand those around you, the better leader you can be. And then in return, they learn to be a good leader. Absolutely. And that's our purpose. It is. To continue the leadership pipeline. Girl leaders. Well, thank you guys for joining us today. Make sure you like and subscribe to whatever streaming service you are watching or listening. We appreciate all of you. Join us next time where we will be talking about immigrants' eyes. Have a great day. Bye. Thanks for listening to the FCF Leadership Podcast. To learn more, go to fcf.org.